Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Stock Talk. This is a little podcast that I like to uh, throw together where I like to talk about all things investing, where I get to share with you uh, some of my uh, ideas, thoughts, and takes about what's going on in the market, as well as other um, people that I respect and interesting insights that I hear from other people in terms of uh, what's going on in the markets. And the whole point of it is really to hopefully share with you some nuggets of information, some insights, some perspectives that hopefully you can take away and kind of bring back into your own personal situation as you try to figure out this whole investing thing, as you try to make uh, investment decisions for yourself. Uh, My name is Amin Reina, and I'm an investment coach and founder of Sage Investors. And what I do as an investment coach is, is ultimately I try to help people who want to become more financially independent. The problem is when they, people start looking at investing and getting into investing as part of becoming financially independent, they freeze, they get frustrated, they get uh, intimidated by the whole investing concept. They either don't know where to start if they've been investing for a long period of time, uh, if they're just new to investing, or if they've been investing for a long period of time, they're just not seeing their portfolios uh, evolve or grow in the way that they thought that they should be, uh, think they should be growing. So ultimately what I do as an investment coach is I teach people. I engage with them on how to make more educated and ultimately, hopefully, more successful investment decisions so that they can achieve a certain level of freedom in their life, financial freedom in their life, and and achieve it with confidence. So today is, I want to talk about something, is today's sort of the going there episode in the sense that You know, I've done a whole lot of these um, podcasts now. This is like, I think I'm in the 130s now in terms of episodes. And I've kind of, there's one area that I've kind of avoided wanting to go there on. And uh, because I I think there's just so much talk about it. But, you know, I've come at the point where I think I'm, I'm ready maybe to maybe talk a little bit more about it. And that's really... Amazon. I think, you know, if you were looking at investing over the last 10, 20 years, probably, um, I think Amazon has probably been one of the most talked about, one of the most discussed, um, most, uh, you know, it's been one of the few companies, one of the few stocks that's really sucked up a lot of oxygen in terms of a lot of discussion and and analysis and evaluation of, of uh, has been Amazon, and rightly so. It's it's really been one of those kind of forefront companies that have taken um, you know a lot of uh, the really you know the quote you know the term that they use is disrupted, and that's the term you hear every time you hear about dis- uh, Amazon. Oh, they disrupted. They're disrupting retail. They're destroying retailers, and you know revolutionizing how we do retail. And there's certain elements of truth, but today I I, I wanted to look at it. So today I'm, I'm essentially doing a bit of a deep dive into into this whole Amazon thing, and I'm just gonna here offer you some some different takes on uh, on Amazon. I'll offer offer on my own takes, and uh, I don't own the stock, and uh, I'm probably what I really want to try to fight through here is kind of give people a bit of a reality check on this company and try to do a bit of a reality check. And I know there's a lot of people here who have you know, own Amazon stock and are like totally live and die by the company and have nothing but good things to say about it. For you, for those of you, I'm probably going to piss you off and you're probably not going to just, you just, you know, hell, maybe you can, maybe I'll get some trolling action out of all this. I don't know. But uh, 
Um, you know, Amazon has been a company that's got just totally has had the wind behind them. They've just been on a jet stream. A lot of it is due to Wall Street in terms of how Wall Street um, has viewed them. And then now also a lot about is just uh, retail investors just jumping on. And as you know, Amazon is one of the, uh, the five stocks that have been called FANG. Facebook, Amazon, Apple, Netflix, Google, Alphabet. And uh, <clears throat> so I'm, I'm just going to offer you some takes. This is what I think about Amazon. Um, just to show how, how incredibly entrenched or embedded uh, Amazon has become in terms of, the, especially in the investing side of things. If you go back to 2008, I just I came across this on Twitter. Somebody posted this. Um, there were only nine ETFs out there that had Amazon stock in it in 2008. Ten years later, as of right now, there are 605 ETFs out there that have Amazon stock as part of it, as part of their basket. And so that's amazing. Like from nine to a 605, this has become you know one of the dominant and most talked about, and one of the most owned and most traded stocks that are out there. So, and and from where I've sat and what I see, how people talk about it and and, and do things with it and discuss it. Uh, I see a lot of first-level thinking with that. Now, for those of you who have been following my podcast before, uh, you'll know uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm one of a, I've become a, a real staunch advocate of, that, of, of second-level thinking. I think a lot of people use first-level thinking, uh, basically looking things at the surface and making investment decisions on it to be really a, pro, uh, a path that will lead you to kind of average returns. I think that over the long term, the real people, and Howard Marks is one of famous investor who's really kind of crafted this whole concept of second level thinking. The people who really do really well at investing are the ones that can adopt a second level of thinking. And that's looking at things with a bit of context, looking at things with a bit of perspective, and looking at things, looking at companies, looking at stocks with a very critical, uh, which much more critical uh, perspective. And a lot of times that critical perspective often puts you kind of contrarian to what the broad market is thinking about a stock. And so I thought this would be a good way um, to kind of show you that and practice sort of some of that second level. And that's kind of what I've been doing with Amazon over the last while. And I've, I've came across a few articles um, by different people who have, are, who have adopted a similar, um, are taking a much more critical look at the company. And uh, so that's really what I, I really want to get into today. So when I think about first level thinking and I think of Amazon, the, the consensus conventional thinking about Amazon and in terms of why it's such a great company is, is this premise that you know any space that they enter, any sector or industry that they decide that they're going to enter in it, that they're going to disrupt it. They're going to destroy it. They're going to drive all the competitors out of business. They are going to be the last company standing. And that feeds into this whole mentality people would have with Amazon is that at some point when com- when they decide to enter certain things or sell certain products, um, that ultimately we're just going to, the future is going to be Amazon in the sense that anything we buy from a retail perspective is we're going to buy it through Amazon. They're going to own sort of the, the whole retail space. Um, and because of that, I think a lot of people, and it's part of their strategy, um, because they're going to own the whole space or own the retail space or dominator space, um, there isn't as much emphasis, especially from a Wall Street perspective, on looking at their earnings 
um, and looking at their profitability as much as other companies are held to a higher standard with respect to profitability. They seem to have gotten a bit of a free pass. And in, to Jeff Bezos' credit, CEO of Amazon, he really doesn't care as much. He hasn't cared as much or has lost a lot of sleep with respect to profitability. He's more interested in market share. His rationale being, if I own the market, then I am the most valuable company and I will get a premium on that. So first level thinking is Amazon enters a space, disrupt it, they're gonna dominate. It's more, it's more valuable in that sense. There's other levels of first level thinking in the sense that you know, with their Amazon Prime program, like they, they just came out that they have about 90 million people signed up under the, the Amazon Prime program. So it's a very sticky, huge critical mass of people that the company could sell stuff to and there's an element of loyalty. And with that perspective, they're gonna take away share from, from the Walmarts and the Costcos of the world and people buy the stock because of that. Um, so that's kind of the first level thinking when people, that's my perspective, first level thinking with respect to Amazon. But what I want to get into is, is to kind of provide a little bit of a reality check and provide a little bit of some checks and balances around Amazon. And this is really where we're, we're getting to sort of the second level thinking with respect to the company. Um, and I got a whole bunch of things that I've kind of observed and I've, I've picked off from, from other people who have made observations on it. And I just kind of want to run through the list. And the reality check that I have with Amazon, I think what is important is is the context that I think we have to look. I think you have to look at the company is as much as the company has been is perceived to be kind of dominating and disrupting. This has been labeled as this dis disruptor. If you really take a step back and you look at the businesses and the sectors that they have entered, um, they really haven't achieved much of a of a dominant um, a dominant position in, in a lot of spaces that they have entered. If you really take a step and look back at it, the only industry that I come across here that they've truly disrupted and truly dominated and are really own that space is bookstores, is books. It's, which is ironic because Amazon in its infancy was started up as, Bezos started the company up as a bookstore selling books online. And it has now become the largest uh, buyer and seller, retailer of books on the planet. It has driven numerous, numerous uh, bookstores um, out of business. And they literally control the whole mechanism of books. Um, both on the electronic now through the Kindle side of it, as well as through you know just traditional you know paper paper books. A lot of legacy stores now just don't uh, don't exist anymore. Um, that to me seems to be the really one of the true areas where Amazon has really been dominant is in the whole bookstore book uh, book space. And the logical thinking is if they're going to be dominant in books in in selling books, that they were going to be dominant in publishing books. Um, that they, you could use, that they would kind of use that, that market influence, that ability to influence the market, influence demand, to influence, uh, have a really controlling stake in terms of how books are published. And the reality is their share of that side of it isn't, isn't as great. So, <clears throat> so dominant business in books. But now if you start looking at all the other industries that they've entered into, the other different sectors in retail that they've entered into, um, story isn't that it's good like it's a good story like they've done some good things but it's not this 
disruption thing factor that you know is you constantly hear about with Amazon. You hear constantly about from Wall Street and and Bay Street and a lot of stuff you hear on the media. So I, I, I just made a list of all these spaces that they've entered and really what the outcome has been. So you know one area that they uh, uh, that they've been trying to get into has been in the whole food space and the grocery space. And of course last year they went out and they bought Whole Foods. And again the the hue and the cry was that. Um, Whole Foods, now that they actually have stores, they're going to go and totally destroy all the, the other grocery companies like Walmart and uh, Kroger, Safeway, Loblaws. They're all like doomed now because now Amazon is in the space. The reality is, and you, you know, granted that you have to give these guys, they've only been in it, they've been in that area for about a year. Um, so, you know, a lot of things have to still happen and they're still evolving. The reality is the market share, if you look at their market share, um, it's gone up from 0.2% to 1.4%. So yeah, you can say, well, yeah, their market share has gone up 700%, but the reality is 1.4% is not dominant. They're not dominating the food space. And the reality also, again, is Amazon has had a hard time getting into the food space because they, they, they've been trying to get into it and that's probably led them to want to buy Whole Foods, but they just couldn't do it. They have not been very successful in figuring out grocery and delivery of grocery. So again, perspective here has to be put into it. Uh, if you remember um, Blue Apron, all these home delivery services, you know, Amazon was saying, okay, we're gonna have our own uh, home delivery, food delivery service. Haven't seen really anything emerge from that. Um, the, the Blue Aprons of the world are, are still out there and they're still doing them. Nobody's gone out of business yet. Um, so. The full food thing, everybody's talking about Amazon going to be just dominating that side of it. It really hasn't happened. Um, they've taken steps to become more competitive in it, but I wouldn't say they've disrupted the business or disrupting the, the, the whole food side, side of it. So that's one side of it. Um, another area, <clears throat> pharmacies. Recently, um, and again, it's early days, but one of the known areas that Amazon has wanted to get into is in the health space. Um, specifically selling drugs online, selling pharmaceuticals online. They've been trying to get licenses and then obviously last, uh, just recently they announced that they paid $100 million or, you know, I paid a, I forget how much, actually I don't know how much they paid. Um, they paid a company, they paid, they bought out uh, PillPack, which is an online pharmacy um, that company uh, and the company does, and so all of a sudden everybody's like, "Oh, okay, oh, you know, CVS, Walgreens—they're all like they're they're doomed because Amazon's going to sell all this stuff, all drugs now. You know, you know, bundle it to Prime uh, members and sell it." Um, so the reality here is, Amazon bought a company that does a hundred million in sales. You know, Walgreens does a <clears throat> hundred billion dollars in sales, and CVS does even more than that. Um, and the fact of the matter is, you know, online delivery and online purchasing of 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 of, uh, of drugs is not, you know, an unknown thing. CVS and Walgreens offer that service, and I believe Walmart at some point will offer that kind of service. So, <clears throat> it's not. Again, the, the, there where's the disruption? There really hasn't been that kind of disruption that I would say Amazon. I don't think has really changed anything or disrupted in anything from that side of it. Uh, another area, uh, the whole TV side of it, media, TV shows, um, movies, you know, Amazon, they make their own movies, they make their own shoes, shows, and uh, they make some good stuff. Um, 
But the reality is they haven't disrupted that whole space because Netflix and Disney and HBO, they're all around. They're all doing their thing. And uh, so there's really, you know, and they're probably doing it better than what Amazon is doing it. Um, so <clears throat> kind of having a hard time seeing where that's the, the disruption is. If there's one element I would give them credit for is the fact that when they bought Twitch, um, they probably they did see some potential in the whole esports side of it where people watch other people playing video games. And so, you know, they bought Twitch, which was a company that streamed um, video game um, tournaments and competitions. And uh, they were kind of, I, I would give them credit to being like at the forefront of building up this whole esports space. Very much so to the, to the point because uh, ESPN recently announced that they have taken over the streaming rights for the Overwatch League series, which is this huge video game um, league or tournament um, that Activision Blizzard, it's the brainchild of Activision Blizzard, and now there's like 20, 32 uh, teams across the country um, that compete and play video games, big money, big thing. I've talked about this in some other podcasts uh, about this whole esports thing, but Amazon is, in a way, I would give them credit for being a leader in that, in that space. Um, and, and kind of nurturing and cultivating, developing this whole esports streaming space. So I give them some credit. But as you can see, it's not like they own it because other people are coming in and you know trying to take a piece of it. Music streaming again. Last time I checked, Apple and you know Google Play and Spotify, Pandora, <clears throat> they're hold, more than holding their own in that in that space. I don't see Amazon being a big dominating player in the whole music side of it. Um, hardware, te technical hardware, like the, the Kindle and the Echo have been really kind of, I would say, um, game-changing kind of uh, hardware tools in terms of, you know, uh, consuming information online as well as um, the whole voice-activated technology and how that's becoming more prominent. I think Amazon has definitely played a role in that, um, but they've also had duds. Like, remember the cell phone? They tried it with, with the, uh, that Amazon Fire phones or whatever, and those things never, never took off. Um, so they've been kind of hit and miss on this whole hardware side of it. Um, a few other things that I don't think people really remember um, that they tried to get into. Um, at one point, they tried to create their own little social network. Um, so, so, social network to, to compete against Facebook, and of course, that didn't pan out. That failed. Um, Children's uh, clothing, uh, the whole baby market. Um, if, you give, if you remember many, many years ago, they went and bought diapers.com and there was this hue and cry by everybody in the business on Wall Street that they're going to like destroy uh, pampers and huggies and, and everything and they're just going to control the whole baby diaper market. And Again, the last time I checked, you know, Huggies and Pampers and even the Kirkland products are more than holding their own out there. And they really, I, you know, I just, I don't see that element of disruption in that space the way people were um, talking about it. Um, you know, you can make a case that, you know, in the, from a children's perspective, the Toys R Us, um, you know, bankruptcy. Is that was that an Amazon-induced bank, uh, bankruptcy? I don't know. I think from what I've been reading about it, it was more uh, management incompetence that really led 
to and a lot of bad decisions that were made by management that really led to the downfall of Toys R Us. If you actually could come up here in Canada, Toys R Us is still open, it's still running. Um, it's actually very profitable up here. So a lot of people are saying the reason why Toys R Us you know, done was not Amazon, but it was more just management was just really incompetent uh, in running the company. Um, electronics. Do we, we all remember the days way back, like five, six years ago, where everybody was saying companies like Best Buy are doomed. I remember reading articles on how Best Buy was going to be destroyed by Amazon because people would go to Best Buy to basically um, see the products and touch the, touch the TVs and touch the, uh, um, <clears throat> touch the cell phones and then go on to Amazon and buy the phone and buy the TV from Amazon. And that whole phenomenon and was going to destroy uh, Best Buy. So what's happened since then? Best Buy is still alive. It's still th and it's thriving um, because they retrenched. They they saw what was happening and they adjusted. They tweaked their whole um, product line. They tweaked their, their whole distribution of how they distribute products. Um, they've focused more on the service side of of, of dealing with things. Um, so again, here's a, again Amazon entering being in a space. The the first level of thinking is that they're going to destroy it destroy other competitors, well, the fact of the matter is there's, competition is thriving, um, um, even because of Amazon. Um, search engine, I think a lot of people think, uh, don't realize it, but actually Amazon does about $2 billion a year is in sales on search engines. Um, they have, they've been slowly building up their own kind of search uh, algorithm, algorithm platform. Um, but again, so they're in the search space. Um, does that mean Google and Facebook, where the premier are the are gonna like you know are they shaking in their boots because Amazon is entering search? Probably not. You know they're doing 24, 25 billion dollars a quarter in um, ad revenue, and so again, context. Like yeah, Amazon's doing their they're they're generating revenues, but. Are they truly disrupting and you know controlling the the marketplace the way you hear about it um, from that side of it? Bringing this all back, and I just want to bring this all back into the whole concept of numbers. Give me some numbers. Amazon accounts on a retail basis in terms of online retail sales. Amazon accounts for now forty nine percent of all retail online sales, which is huge. They they are definitely the owners of right now online retail. They are dominating the online retail space. But if you look at the whole retail universe, and I'm looking at more US market, they only account for about 5% of total retail spending out there. So again, I, I just wanna keep reinforcing this context element. Yeah, they're dominating, they're, they are players. No mis no, make no mistake about it. They are serious players in the retail space, but they don't own it and they don't dominate it. And so you have to look at this company with a bit of context. So to me, there's some reality checks you got to take away, really, when you're looking at Amazon um, beyond the first level thinking of this whole disruption argument. Um, I think there's expectations that are out there now when, you look, when people are looking at Amazon is that anytime it enters a space <clears throat> that they're going to dominate it. The reality is, and this is my take on it, is just because... Amazon decides to enter the pharmaceutical space and distribution, you know, selling, you know, drugs, drug, uh, pharmacy drugs. 
<clears throat> does not give it um, does not like entitle the company to automatically get a hundred percent of the revenues and a hundred percent of the profits that are going to be generated in the pharmaceutical industry. It still has to compete, and I think the the perception is when Amazon enters a space, the competition is just going to roll over and play dead and just kind of give it up because they, they figure they don't have a chance against it. I think that's the opposite. I think what's what it's done, and I give you know I think that is you have to give them credit, as I think it is emboldened. When Amazon does enter a space, I think it emboldens uh, the competitors or the key players or the legacy players to kind of step their game up and, in a way, almost double down um, uh, their efforts in terms of either maintaining space or just really asserting their own dominance in that space. So you look at what, what companies like Walmart and Best Buy, Williams-Sonoma, they, you know, they haven't just caved in to Amazon. They've actually doubled down. And Walmart is now much more aggressive now in terms of their online sales and their e-commerce sales. They've bought companies and tried to invest in expertise and bringing people in to be more um, <clears throat> effective in terms of how they do online uh, e-commerce. Best Buy, going to a Best Buy now versus a Best Buy like seven years ago, totally different story. You wouldn't recognize it. It's a much more <clears throat> focused, <clears throat> excuse me, more focused, it's much more uh, service oriented, and and now they have a much more powerful uh, e-commerce per, uh, perspective. So that's reality check number one. What I think when you got to look at Amazon, just because it enters a space doesn't mean it's going to own the space. And as I talked about it, it's entered a lot of spaces where it just hasn't done well, and it's just been, been kind of like mediocre. And you know, the diapers.com, the whole media space, the streaming area, they're they're in there, but. They're not really dominating that space. The other companies that are out there are doing just as good a job as hold, uh, holding their own. <clears throat> Another concept that's thrown out there is this whole idea of, well, because of Amazon, there's all these like malls out there that are like just empty, they're hollowed, and there's just this, it's created this decay of, of empty space out there because everybody is going buying everything from Amazon. And, the reality check is maybe a little bit, but I think the real reason why re, uh, malls are, are, are emptier or people aren't buying as much stuff physically from uh, malls is I think there's just too many malls. And I think there's a lot of uh, data out there that's showing that the uh, per capita basis, there's way too many more, there's way more malls out there than there really needs to be. And so I think in a way, I think there has to be, and this is what's happening now is, 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 re, is the retail market is adjusting to this is that we're seeing a lot of culling reduction of real of real estate uh, space out there um, for retail and maybe Amazon has contributed some of it I wouldn't say just Amazon I think maybe a whole e-commerce period has, has something to do with it but <clears throat> it's not because of Am I wouldn't I wouldn't attribute it totally because of Amazon um, <clears throat> the other reality check is as much as Amazon is, you know, viewed as sort of the online retailer, the dominant online retailer, <clears throat> the reality is um, where it's really where it really makes its money is not in retail. It's in the cloud space, as in the in the web services space. Um, if you look at their earnings. Most of the profits that are generated within Amazon are coming from their from their web services uh, uh, division. Um, you know they've created an incredibly robust 
um, platform that allows people to, to, to be online and to <clears throat> create a logistics network um, for, for businesses. And essentially, when I look at Amazon, you know, Amazon is viewed as a retailer. To me, I don't view them as a retailer per se. I view them more as, uh, as a logistics company. They're, what they're really, really good at, and I think what's defined them, is they have an incredible ability of getting things from one place to another. And they can do it very efficiently and at a very low cost and in a very timely manner. And what they've done is essentially build this platform and this mechanism, and they're selling it to other businesses out there to do it. And that's, to me, what the AWS uh, Amazon Web Services is, is they're taking that expertise that they have in logistics and basically enabling people to jump on it and to tap their own platform. And it's essentially a logistics platform. That's really where, if I were to say um, Amazon is truly um, revolutionized or really disrupted, the, the, the patterns of commerce and how business is done, that's where I think it's really made its, its foray. Uh, I wouldn't say it's made that foray in terms of you know selling pharmaceuticals, getting into groceries, streaming music. That to me is just kind of um, noise to really look at what Amazon is all about. And to me, Amazon's a logistics company. <clears throat> the other thing, and this is kind of my own little personal um, take real peeve I, I don't know if it's a pet peeve but um you know as much as they talk about amazon people we go on amazon and we buy things from it i buy stuff from amazon i'm not like saying i don't buy stuff from amazon um the experience that you have with when you interact with amazon is very much a transactional experience i don't know about you but i find um when i do go to amazon i go to amazon with something i've already i need like I've already sat, I've already identified uh, a, a need for something. Like for example, let's say I need um, I need I need knives. I need some steak knives. Um, I've just I've got in my mind I need steak knives. So yeah, my def one of my defaults would be yeah I'm gonna go on Amazon and see what I can find on steak knife. Uh, what I can find you know what the, what what do they sell on steak knives? How much do they cost? Um, You've, you've kind of predefined your, your requirement and you go to Amazon to basically engage in the transaction. Um, it's a pretty hard, if you just look at the website, just go through the website, it's a pretty hard website to kind of just hang out in. Um, and I really, I think where I'm going with this is I just, you know, retail, for a lot of people, retail is, uh, you know, there's people who need to buy things because they need something, but then there's people, a lot of people who want to buy things for just the experiential perspective or just, kind of, you know, um, entertainment, um, you know, just going out, going shopping, just like we traditionally just go out and just randomly, we don't have anything we want to buy, but we go to a mall, we see something, and we just pick something up. It's pretty hard to do that on Amazon, especially Amazon, because I just find it, the nature, the way the, the site is laid out, um, it's very busy, it's very clunky, and you really don't just go clicking around you kind of go saying I want to buy steak knives and then you get your list of steak knives you go through them and you go okay I'm gonna buy that one click boom you bought your steak knife two days later you get it um, it's a pretty hard site to kind of go window shopping with and just kind of wander around um, and when I actually take a look at it the website really hasn't changed that much it's almost the same website that was around 20 years ago when Amazon was just selling books. It's very much the same look and feel. 
Um, they really haven't gone away from that side. But if you go to a lot of other websites, I find out when I go to webs other websites, even when I go to the, the Apple Store, I'm not. I don't have anything in mind when I'm gonna buy it, when I want to go there. But I go there because I'll just see something and the way it's presented, the layout of it. I've on times gone to the Apple site and just bought something because I go, hey, you know what? That looks pretty cool. I think I want to pick that up. I don't think I've ever done that with Amazon. I don't think I've gone on Amazon and just just for the hell of it and just to kind of surf around and see what I could come up with. I've done that with Best Buy and and and. Uh, and some of the sports stores, like sports apparel, like Nike and things like that, I've gone on their sites and actually bought stuff when I really had nothing in mind. But with Amazon, I don't get that same vibe. So um, that's another kind of thing. Um, you know, if you're the kind of person and you just want to get in, get out, it's perfect. It's a per you know, it, it does what it needs to do. But I know there's a lot of people out there, and I know there's a huge demographic out there that want to have just the experience around it and all that stuff. So I don't know. That's just my own little personal take on, on kind of how I've personally interacted with 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 Amazon. So I put a, like there's a lot of reality checks you got to kind of have to put with this company. But I want to preface this and I want to reinforce this again. I'm not trying to slam Amazon here. I'm not saying it's a crappy business. And far from it. It's a it's a great business. It's a really well run business, and it demonstrates. It has been demonstrating some what I think are some of the key competencies of really well run businesses. It's the first thing it does that I think is really great is it reinvests back. It takes it's whatever money it's made and whatever cash flow that it generates, it reinvests it back, and it just not doesn't take a it reinvests everything back into the company. They're always trying to challenge themselves to do better, and I think I give Bezos credit. Because again, this is a company that's been around for 20 years plus. It's really hard to to kind of maintain that kind of startup culture um, when you're 20 years old, and uh, and it's a company that, from my perspective, doesn't seem to want to rest on its laurels. And again, these are great qualities. These are great competencies um, that successful businesses have. So when I look at Amazon from a from a business perspective. It's a great company. It's a great business. They do a lot of things really well. My take on it is just if you're looking at buying the stock and saying, okay, I gotta buy Amazon stock because I haven't bought it yet and the stock's gone up like 5,000%, I'm missing out, I got FOMO. Um, you gotta temper, you just gotta have a little bit of perspective. Yeah, they're doing a lot of great things, but they're not like hitting it out of the ballpark. They're okay. <laughs> they're, they're, they're doing okay. They're doing fine. I wouldn't say they're blowing it up, blowing you know, hitting home runs all the time. And the reason why I say that, and I, again, it's important to have this context, is because at the end of the day, we're investors. If I'm an investor, I'm looking to buy stock. I want to buy stocks of well-run, well-managed companies, but I want to buy those at reasonable prices. I don't want to overpay. I don't want to pay an inflated premium for that privilege. And so... <clears throat> My take on Amazon is I think it's being priced like it's being like a monopoly, like in the sense that the, 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 the dance or the ritual out there is Amazon enters a space, stock goes up, <clears throat> all the other companies go down, and, and that's kind of how it's kind of, you know, and even if it doesn't actually, even if it's just thinking about entering a different sector, that's enough to juice the price up. And... I think the market has just become so dependent on this kind of mentality of like, okay, what are they going to get into next? And I think that whole concept of that, that culture or that, I don't know, mindset 
I think it's putting a, a, a kind of an inflationary um, take on the on the stock price, and uh, so I think it's being priced as it's going to be like this monopolistic business that's going to enter spaces and and, and control them, uh, and control them. And hopefully, what I've been able to show you is that the reality of it is is far from that. I think there's a real big disconnect between what the company is actually doing and what the stock price. And, and whether the stock price is reflecting that. And I think the stock price is very, very optimistic that it's going to dominate all these that spaces that they talk about entering into, that they're actually gonna come through and dominate. I think there'll be players, they can be significant influencers maybe into it, but they're not gonna be dominant. And that's the thing when I look at the stock price, to me it's being priced for domination. And I don't think Amazon is anywhere near being that kind of dominant company it's again high quality strong um, well run well managed in the sense uh, company the strategic focus may be a little bit different in the sense they're focused on market share rather than profitability that's a total conversation we can have um, but it, there's a disconnect there I think there's a disconnect there and if you're someone who's looking at that you're looking at this company, I think you need to just kind of weigh these other factors in. And that's really what I'm sharing with you today, is just sharing with you some of these other reality elements that you need to, I think it's important that you bring it into your into your analysis and in terms of how you evaluate uh, Amazon uh, going forward. As I said, great company, love the business. I'm not a fan of the stock price right now. I was looking at it, I'll be honest with you, when it was around 800 bucks, I was kind of toying with the idea of jumping in and I kind of backed off because I just, again, I couldn't justify the disconnect. And sure enough, you know, the stock's like doubled and, you know. and uh, So I know there's a lot of people out there listening right now saying, yeah, well, whatever, Amon, because I bought it at 200 and it's now $1,800, so, like, F you, Amon. Um, and you know what? You're right. I, 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 I can't. There's nothing I can say that's going to dissuade you. You made your money. You made a decision. You made it, It's worked out. I can't. You know, hey, I, I got nothing. I got nothing to come back on on that. The people I'm talking to are the people that are looking at the company from now, as an entry point now, and looking at it in the future. And I'm just saying, it's being priced like a monopoly. The reality is, I think it's far from it. I think it's a great company, a great business. I just don't know, I'm just not cool with paying the price for the stock right now. So that's my take. It's a pretty long take. Uh, hopefully you've been able to get this far with it. If you've got any questions, give me a shout. You can find me on my website, sageinvestors.ca. You can find me on Apple Pod, um, Apple Podcasts. We're on Apple Podcasts. Um, all my episodes of Stock Talk are on there. Subscribe away. Love to hear some takes on this episode that you might have. Um, you can find me on Twitter. My handle is at Sage Investors. I'm on there all the time, um, just uh, sharing information, sharing content, um, weighing in on uh, real time about what's going on in the markets. You can find me on my Facebook page, which is Sage Investors. I post... Uh, my blogs, links to my blogs, podcasts, mind map videos uh, are all on there. So you can um, connect with me through there. And uh, yeah, and those are the big ways you can get to me. Oh, yeah, I'm on Instagram. Once in a while, I'll do jump on Instagram and do some quick take videos on there. My handle is Sage Investors Nation. So that's all I got for you. It's a lot kind of, this is kind of an episode that I've, it's been kind of building that I've been kind of wanting to go there, but I've kind of backed off. And I just thought, you know what, now is a good time, I think, to go there because I think there's just a lot of things that are, there's just context, I think, that's been missing when people are looking at Amazon. And I just hopefully I've been able to provide a little bit of context 
and give you some perspective when you're if you're considering looking at the company and considering looking at this picking up the stock. So that's again. Uh, this has been another episode of Stock Talk. Thank you very much for listening in. My name is Amin Reina of Sage Investors, and we'll catch you again another time. Take care. Bye bye.